Hi, this is Jesse with Red Cloaks Radio, and today we've got a wonderful guest, Sarah Patnod, who's coming in from Georgia. We can't wait to properly introduce you. Hello. Hi. And joining me as co-hosts today are... Karen from Red Cloaks, Boston Red Cloaks. And Laura from the Boston Red Cloaks. Sarah, we're really excited that you're here. Um, you're an Yay. organizer with Handmade Coalition of Georgia. We already feel a strong sisterhood with you. First, hi. It's just nice to meet you in person by Zoom. <laughs> Same here. So we've been kind of following you on social media, and we understand that your governor, Brian Kemp, signed into law what is informally called a heartbeat bill, a very restrictive law that bans all abortions after there's detection of a fetal heartbeat, which can be as early as six weeks before people even know that they're pregnant. So can you just tell us a little bit about how you got started? Sure. So the Handmade Coalition of Georgia actually started, I think, in 2017. Our key organizers at the time was involved with the very first Women's March um, and helped with the National Handmaids. Um, and following up on that, there was a 50 Handmaids in 50 states um, effort to get handmaids out to all of the state capitals. And so that's where the core of our leadership formed um, was around that event. But that meant that when House Bill 481 here in Georgia, that heartbeat bill uh, came into play, we were ready to call people out and mobilize and pull our cloaks out of the closet and uh, bring them to the state capitol. Hey, that's really awesome. You mentioned that 50 states process. Can you say a little bit more about that? Sure, that was, I, I don't know who started it. There's somebody at the Handmaids National that was an effort to get handmaids out to all of the state capitals because they saw this push was coming, that you know these bills were coming across um, in lots and lots of state legislatures. And so it was more of a, uh, just kind of a show of support internally really more than that external. It was a really interesting event here in Georgia because our state capital is in Atlanta where I'm um, located, but our state capital is right downtown where very few people actually live. And mm -hmm. so going to this event on a Saturday meant there was nobody around. <laughs> we actually had to walk to um, a private park, Centennial Park, that was put up for the 1996 Olympics uh, to try to get some people around to see us in our handmade costumes. Uh, but uh, it was a really great event to meet about 20 other women um, that were interested in you know, bodily autonomy and questions of reproductive justice. So it was, I think, a good event across the country. It had, uh, some places had more, some places had fewer, but seeing that this was a national movement and that there was national support was really important. We actually got started when there was a call, um, when Kavanaugh was nominated, and there was a similar effort by a group called Demand Justice, and a friend of mine heard about it and asked a couple of us to go. Um, and that's how we met up with some people at our state house. Did you participate in the Kavanaugh protest? Several of our members actually went up to DC uh, to protest. We have some very active um, folks, uh, but here on the state level, we did not um, have any sort of protesting going on. Well, I say, we did not have protesting going on as handmaids. <laughs> there was a little <laughs> uh, distrust and, and uh, angst that was being expressed in other ways. Vocal. <laughs> Karen, yeah. <laughs> now, I have a question. Uh, is this um, Handmaid's Coalition of Georgia, is this part of the 50 Handmaids from 50 states coalition, or are they two separate? So the 50 Handmaids, or 50, Handmaids in 50 states was a specific event that was put on by the, the Handmaid Coalition, um, which is just kind of a loose confederation of all of the different Handmaid Coalitions of the specific states. 
Oh, okay. So when you say um, your group is called Handmade Coalition of Georgia, what's what does coalition mean? Are there many groups of red cloaks throughout Georgia, or does that have a more broad meaning, such as a bunch of people? Definitely a bunch of people. Thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I think I, we do have the benefit of having our state capital in our largest city. So that is where the vast majority of our handmaids are located is the Atlanta Metro. Okay, great. Do, do you feel like you got a lot of press coverage there or not so much? At our event in 2017, no. Um, I don't think we got any press coverage at all. <laughs> so it really, it was not until last legislative session in 2019 that we saw the press really coming. And it was shocking, I think, how quickly that changed, that we were having these events where nobody was um, and nobody cared. And then all of a sudden we, you know, saw our handmaids on Vogue and Rolling Stone and, you know, national press coverage. And what was so interesting to me was how visceral those images were, that they were using images from the Handmaids of Georgia protests to put as illustrations for coverage for other protests that were happening. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, if there was news about like the similar bills in Alabama, they would use our images. Um, as kind of the, the photo that would go along with the news article. Oh. We're learning it's really interesting the power of the photographers who are connected with news media because some of them sell their images to places like Getty Images and then an image that you have orchestrated and organized is then profiting other people, other industries who really appreciate the work that you put into it. Exactly. No, I just, I think that the image of the handmaid is such a striking image that it really lends itself well to that. Um, that, you know, the, the red, the cloaks and the white of the hoods, and especially when we're against these, you know, often these state capitals have the columns and the marble, and it's just su such a visceral image that people really immediately connect with it. So it's unsurprising that it would be the one that would come along um, with the coverage of these so-called heartbeat bills. Uh, but I think that that's actually so fantastic because it's the image of the resistance that's being shown alongside the news of what's happening. What kind of reaction do you get from people who are passing by just walking near you? We get exactly two kinds of reactions. So either people saying, good job, great, you're awesome, we love you, or people saying really, really vile and terrible things. <laughs> oh, I think we've had vile and terrible things, have we, Jesse? We've had some mutterings, but we, but, but they're a very tough group. We have one member who you really have to make sure she's on the other side so she doesn't know. <laughs> she's not going to take that. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's one of the principles of um, the Handmade Coalitions is that you have to have a silent protest, that it is not your space to be responding to those kinds of comments. Mm -hmm. And that can be really hard sometimes. What we found is we have a third response, which is we have, a, you know, especially when we are in Boston, where there are so many tourists from different countries and different places, we do have a third response, which is, can you help? What is this about? And there are people who haven't seen the TV show, haven't read the book, and they're just not quite sure what's going on, but they're captivated. So for us, that is, that is an element. Um, the people who are on the supportive, moved side can be really poignant. So we recently had a gathering, an evening gathering at sunset to think about losing justice with Bader Ginsburg. And a woman stopped her car and came over and was just openly weeping and was very moved. So there is that level, like you said, of people who just completely understand what's going on from far away and they're just right with you. 
Yeah, that is true. We do have people who are very confused and um, people asking if we're nuns or Quakers, which is hilarious because I actually am a Quaker, but I'm like, this has nothing to do with that. <laughs> yes, but. <laughs> it's also yep. helped that like at a few early on, we, we had um, cards that we were able to give out and still remain silent, which I thought was really helpful. Do you, do you guys have anything like that? No, I've never thought of that idea. I like that though. Oh. We did, uh, we often will have like big signs um, or um, for the, the state capitol at the end of this last legislative session, we actually had um, little signs that each handmaid could carry that said of and then the legislator's name. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah that was, the legislators did not like seeing their names on those signs. Imagine that. Ooh. Oh, that was very Jesse, Jesse, that's oh, given me an idea of Lombardo. Oh, yes, I can see that. <laughs> um, Karen has the, the uh, it, I don't know what the word is, the unfortunate <laughs> yeah. experience of having her representative be one of the people at the State House who has a picture of a baby on his official door in the State House expressing his anti anti-reproductive freedom views so Didn't and he's not really it, that? yes <laughs> yes it's time maybe time to share that picture yeah yeah hmm, See, when, when, when you know when handmaids get together things happen ideas fly <laughs> you got handouts we're gonna put out the picture so last year definitely in terms of the national media we really saw a lot of information and pictures of you and the organization because um brian kemp signed this law and I'd love to hear your take on it because what was it like having it come down and how did you respond? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> well, having it come down was unsurprising. Our state legislature, even though it's becoming more purple these days, it is still solidly in conservative control. Um, and there were a lot of legislators who were making this their, their capital mission that they wanted to pass this kind of legislation knowing that it wasn't going to actually do anything um, because it is unconstitutional <laughs> and it you know goes against several supreme court cases um, but you know they call these trigger laws that if the court overturns roe v wade then these laws go into effect uh, and so i think it is the mission of several southern state legislatures to be the the court case that will mm -hmm. go to the supreme court to overturn roe v wade and that's really what these legislators were, were seeing. They were seeing these you know, future images of themselves as the victors. Um, so it was unsurprising that it passed. It was honestly unsurprising that Governor Kemp signed it. Um, Governor Kemp has made it very clear since he was running for his office that this was what he had in store, but it was still painful. Um, and it was extremely painful, particularly because I know so many women for whom abortion isn't just a, a theoretical question. Like I myself have had an abortion and it was life-changing and I'm very, very glad for having had that option. Um, and I know dozens of other women for whom that's the case. And so, you know, like just having that kind of personal connection with it and seeing how important it is to people that I know and love to have the right to make a decision about your own body, it, it takes it away from this, you know, this kind of, way that we talk about it politically and makes it something that just you can't think about it without it having a personal impact.
yeah, it is, it, we feel the same. And, and we're not in your state, but watching last year, the last couple of years, watching one state after the other, we have a picture of still think this can't happen here. And, you know, we just started adding one state after the other on top of the picture until two thirds of the picture is covered. And it does seem like there's a competition, an unhealthy competition between like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio's throwing its hat in the ring on who can get their most horrible, un, un, you know, lacking compassion law to be the winner of this crazy disruptive race that they're playing. Absolutely. When, when it came down, then it looks like different articles refer to either the ACLU filing suit or sister song filing suit, or maybe they're filed suit together. So I unfortunately don't know all the ins and outs of the legal challenges. Um, but I think what's really key here is that the handmaids, we were the most visible um, protesters against this just because like it's such a visceral image with the red cloaks. Um, but we were definitely not the first or the only group that was out there protesting that we had some fantastic organizations from the very start who were out protesting, including Sister Song, the ACLU, Planned Parenthood Southeast, um, other, you know, local queer black woman led organizations. Um, so, you know, like we were never alone on the Capitol steps protesting that it was always that we could be the symbol that would draw people in and you know we would catch the visual attention but because we were the silent protesters we actually had um there, there was no conflict with letting the others speak that that was it was a a very symbiotic relationship just from the very start by the nature of how we did this that's a good point so things have changed a little bit so can you paint the picture for us um, from July to now? Sure, so you know, this law passed, the governor signed it, um, it was immediately challenged and there was a stay put on it. So it did not take effect. Abortion is still safe and legal in Georgia. You can access abortion if you need one. Um, and then in July, the district court ruled that it was unconstitutional. Um, so again, no surprise but that opens up the door for Georgia to continue appealing that decision in that quest to make it up to the Supreme Court. So we're still pending what comes next. Um, a lot of this, of course, as you know, the president knows quite well that a lot of this depends on the makeup of the Supreme Court when these kinds of cases, not just Georgia's, but the other states that are trying this as well. Um, once those court cases make it to the Supreme Court, depending on the makeup of the court, what laws they would, uh, or which cases they would be willing to take on, and then what kinds of precedents they're going to um, hold to. Like the last time a law like this made it up, um, the court decided with Kennedy that uh, you know, coming over to the liberal side to say that this was already settled, this was precedent, he wasn't going to change it. But if the makeup of the Supreme Court changes, that can change as well. How have you responded to the nomination, the current nomination? Well, we've had a lot of discussion about whether we wanted to have protests, whether we wanted to try to send people to DC. Um, what we ended up deciding at, at the urging of our really our key organizers was that everybody who is involved with the handmaids is also involved politically uh, with the election and with getting out the vote. And so ultimately we decided that our attention needs to be on November 3rd and on getting out the vote. And as much as we want to be involved and be out there visibly protesting the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett, that ultimately this is an election question. This is a longer term question. Um, and so 
we actually, the Georgia Handmaids sent up um, about, a, I think, a dozen cloaks up to an organizer in D.C. so that she could use them to mount some protests in front of the White House and in front of Congress, um, you know, to support another coalition who wouldn't have to worry about traveling, wouldn't have to worry about, you know, everything that comes along with these COVID days to make our voices heard. Speaking of another contagion other than the Supreme Court, how is Georgia doing in terms of its rate of infection, hotspots, willingness to wear masks? Does it, has it changed the political culture in any way that might, gee, you know, favor women? And how are, and what about the bans and barriers? Because I'm sure there's still bans and barriers in Georgia. How is COVID? these um, circumstances, if in fact it is. Sure, so COVID is raging out of control in Georgia, is the long <laughs> short of it. Uh, and an enormous reason for that is that our governor has banned mask mandates. Um, so several cities, including the city of Atlanta, had mayors that tried to put in local mask mandates. Um, the governor then sued the city of Atlanta to say that the mayor was not allowed to do that. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, it's really bad here because there is this conflict between a governor who is um, willfully ignorant um, about what would help that despite having the CDC here in Atlanta, you will see people walking around all day going in and out of businesses, including the governor himself on Twitter without wearing a mask. The other thing you said though about barriers strikes me as unknowingly um, hilarious because just this week, the Georgia Capitol, uh, or the state of Georgia announced that the Capitol is getting a, an eight foot tall iron fence all the way around all four sides of the building um, because of protests, including ones like ours, um, that they do not want to have on Capitol grounds anymore. Yeah, so that's a big, so a mini wall. <laughs> a mini wall. Right. A little literal barrier is going up between people's house, um, which we think is just unconscionable. It's, it's striking that we're having this conversation the day after the governor of Michigan was, you know, the target of a, whatever you want to call it, American terrorist gang plot, whatever, to literally kidnap her. And th that is actually news. A friend called to tell me this, and she gave me a little warning ahead of time, like, I'm going to tell you something that even today won't seem real, but you need to, like, it's real, so let me say it twice, <laughs> which it took me twice to really understand that somebody was, with, like, an organized effort was taking place of people in different states to kidnap the governor of Michigan, mostly because she wants people to be healthy and wear masks. That's the chief issue, it seems, right? Am I missing something? It's really horrifying. And I think the key there is that we can't look at any of these without considering the gender dynamics, right? That the governor of Michigan is a woman, um, that the mayor of Atlanta, that Governor Kemp decided to sue, is a black woman. Uh, you know, like that all of this is taking place within these intersections of our lives that you can't, you can't even really wrap your head around it unless you understand the racism and misogyny that is rampant in our culture. Can we talk about race? This call, we, we have red cloaks of different, all kinds of different demographics, different ages, different races, different 
countries of origin. But in this call today, we're four white women who are talking to each other. So how, how, how do you see race playing out in the issues that are happening at your state level? Like right now, we have been looking at maternal health. We see worse outcomes for black women. The, um, we have a, like you, we have a judicial bypass. So minors have to get consent from their parent, but they can go to a court. And we find that black and brown teens are definitely impacted much worse. There's a wage gap here that is based on race. And of course, we're also focused on police brutality, also worse for people who are black. So uh, really interested to hear your take on it in Georgia right now. Unsurprisingly, being in the South, um, issues of race are absolutely both at top of mind and also feeling really intractable that despite all of the protests and all of the changes that we've tried to push for many, many years, that things are still right where they've long been. I think one of the key things that was really important to the organizers at the Handmade Coalition of Georgia was to prioritize the voices of Black women and Black queer women. Um, so, you know, we followed the lead of many, many partners in the reproductive justice space. And, you know, part of that was learning really early on that we did not talk about this as, you know, just an issue of women wanting to have abortions, that this was an issue of reproductive justice. This was about bodily autonomy. Um, and, you know, even just sometimes changing our language could, it, it feels a little strange at first, but it's really important to not just talk about women who have abortions, but people who have abortions. Um, to talk about, you know, healthcare as a key human right, um, not just abortion access, but access to birth control, access to hormonal treatments that people need, um, access to other kinds of healthcare. And really, especially in Georgia, where we have one of the absolute worst mortality rates in general, um, seeing how much worse that is for Black women in our state, that you can't, we can't treat abortion just in the ways in which it touches white women's lives. It can't be just about ease of access for white women because white women have always been able to get abortions if they could afford them. Um, you know, white women have had choices and unless you acknowledge that and deal with that reality, you're leaving out an enormous piece of the puzzle. Absolutely, I mean, I don't know what your legislature is like. We have six women of color total in our state legislature. We're used to seeing your, you've got Stacey Abrams and she is an amazing inspirational figure for all of us. So what is legislator, what, what is your legislature like? We do have some really fantastic black women in our legislature. Um, I'm uh, lucky enough to be representative, represented by Renita Shannon, who is a fantastic legislator. Um, and I'm also lucky enough to live in the fifth district, uh, which will soon be represented um, by Nakima Williams, who was previously a state senator. Um, so we do have some really fantastic Black women in our state house who are really leading the charge on all of these issues, um, but there's not enough. And it's not even close to being representative of, representative of the Black women in our state. Um, I think that that's really the key issue, is that you know we <laughs> live in a state that has an enormous wealth of black talent, but you don't see that at the state capitol. Well, I, we're just about out of time, but we know election day is coming up and that you are hard at work as a group. And we really, really, really excited to get to talk to you. We would love to invite you to come back. 
It would be my pleasure. All right, Thank everyone you. have a great day. I learned so much. Thanks so much.